Welcome in. This is Religionless Christianity. I'm your host, Spencer. This is my beautiful wife, Nikki. Hello. And we are grateful that you're joining us here. If you're new, um, we like to get it out up front and early that we are not religionless, and this show is not religionless. Uh, In fact, it's quite the opposite. We're very religious, very Christian folks, Um, but it's more specifically the world and this nation that we're in that is religionless, very secular places. Uh, So that at least in part is where the name for the show comes from. If you want to know the rest of the story, you got to go check out some of our first three episodes to figure out why we named it the way we named it. Um, But we're going to continue doing what we always try to do on Saturday, and that's you know, try to figure out how can we live a life that's pleasing to God in a secular and religionless world. And we're going to try to do that by looking at stories uh, from the news from around the world, around the country that we've seen in the last week that caught our eye. And then um, in this episode specifically, something more faith-based, you know, specific to Christian living, if you will, not necessarily a news story. Mm -hmm. Um, But before we get into all of the stories, all of the discussions on Sarah Young, is there anything you'd like to say? Prayer requests, praise reports, anything of that sort? Um, Yeah, I just, this time of year, I know it's supposed to be Christmas and joyful. Um, It's kind of hectic because we have kids' birthdays, like one a week before Christmas and the other ones a week after Christmas. So it's um <laughs> just kind of uh planning all the the birthdays and buying the gifts and birthday party. I don't know. It kind of stresses me out. I'm not a party planning kind of person. I don't enjoy um yeah, trying to plan stuff like that. I like going to parties. I just don't like yeah, putting them together. <laughs> so yeah, just um I guess just pray that I have Peace, I guess, for you too. I don't know. Are you stressed about it all? <laughs> oh, not the birthday stuff, just the rest of life. Yeah, I know we're supposed to be, you know, it's Christmas time and focused on the birth of Christ, but it's very distracting and stressful, and and I just don't want it to be that way. I don't know. Yeah, <sighs> definitely pray for us. I'm sure, you know, we're not the only ones feeling that. Um that stress that the holiday season brings, which shouldn't be the case. Um, yeah, so please pray for Sarah. Please pray for me. Um, man, I have just been super discouraged at work this whole week. And today, especially, um, or yesterday, especially, and then moving into just like the look ahead. And maybe it's because the closer I get to being done, just in the joy that I think will come, from being done and just not there yet. And it's just like Nikki said, the busyness and the, man, I just feel like it has just been crazy, you know, and discouragement has definitely come on me when I'm at work and I don't want to be discouraged because I don't want to be dishonoring to God in my workplace, but I'm finding it very difficult to not be, um, and then to not let other things fall. You know, this podcast that I love, I don't want to let this fall, but it's getting to the point where, you know, maybe something to consider. And then school's getting ready to start back up, which I don't want to let fall. Um, and then, you know, getting more involved at church and all these things. But then there's that, like, you know, that 10,000 pound weight of my actual job that I don't like doing. That's taking more and more of my time and my efforts and thoughts. So 
just been a discouraging week. So just please pray for me um, that I wouldn't be um, dishonoring to God in my workplace because uh, I don't want to misrepresent him in that mm-hmm. way. But uh, yeah, I think that's about it for us. So if you haven't prayed for us on some of these previous prayer requests, please pray for us now. Um, and if you want to be joined in prayer with us, we have our you know, affiliate links. We have our Patreon links down in the show notes. Um, we have a community prayer list, if you will, that we're trying to start up on Patreon. We can have our prayers on there. You can give us your prayers and we can all be praying together. Uh, not, you know, because we've got some special prophetic anointing from God that's going to move on your life, but because, you know, we're brothers and sisters in community, praying for each other's needs and trusting that God will do what only God can do. But all right, um, on to the news. From what I saw, uh, the big story of the week was the presidential debates. Uh, so there was, um, and, yeah, that's not necessarily big news at this point. This is, you know, the fourth Republican debate. But I think it was kind of a slow news week, at least from what I saw. So those ones kind of took the headline. Um, and we'll discuss that debate the fourth Republican debate, but there was also the debate last week between Gavin Newsom and Ron DeSantis, which I think was a far more valuable and informative debate than the Republican debate. I mean, what are you going to hear from these guys in their fourth debate, right? But the one between Ron DeSantis and Gavin Newsom was quite interesting. So we'll discuss those. And then just a few additional stories that stood out to me specifically as I was kind of reading through the news this week. So we'll look at those first couple initial stories, then the the debate stuff, and then we'll get into our more um, Christ-focused discussion when we look at Sarah Young's writings, her uh, occult training manual, uh, or if you prefer to call it her devotional, (laughs) Mm -hmm. Jesus Calling. So getting into the news, honey, what is our first news story of the week? All right, from the Christian Post, it says, Lesbian bishop, who Carlton Pearson wanted to speak at funeral, says Transformation Church barred her from preaching the eulogy. And it goes on, Presiding prelate of the Fellowship of Affirming Ministries, Bishop Yvette Flunder, who late former megachurch pastor Carlton Pearson said he wanted to speak at his homecoming, home, sorry, homegoing service shortly before he passed on November 19th, says Pastor Michael Todd's Transformation Church, uh, barred her from preaching a eulogy at their service in Pearson's honor on Friday due to a dispute over inclusion. Flunder, who heads the LGBT-led City of Refuge United Church of Christ in Oakland, California, and is married to her same-sex partner, Shirley Miller, told RNS, along with others, that organizers of the Transformation Church service insisted that speakers could not use the word inclusion in the service. Yeah. Oh, man, this is some... This is just crazy to even talk about this drama. (laughs) It is, and this story goes on to, you know, highlight how these, you know, this flunder, you know, refused to go and speak and how, you know, transformation, all these sorts of things, you know, they weren't good people, all this sort of stuff. But it's interesting that like, she has this deep, 
desire to go and give this eulogy for Carlton Pearson, who's this great man to her, great mentor, whatever. But simply the fact that don't use the word inclusion and you're like, nope, not going. Oh, really? He was that important to you? That the one word? So what was the real important thing? Carlton Pearson, his life and ministry? Or are you going and shoving an LGBTQ agenda down people's throat in church? Any opportunity. Yeah, but Ugh. when I saw this, I thought, man, kudos to Mike Todd and Transformation Church. Because I would not have guessed that this is the story we would have read about yeah. a ceremony like this. And, you know, if we're going to be critical of Mike Todd in Transformation and all these churches when they go astray, and we've been critical of Mike Todd, mm -hmm. uh, then we also should be giving them praise when they act properly. Mm -hmm. So um, I think, again, kudos. Now, I don't think they necessarily went far enough, you know, but again, you, you got to give them praise and encourage them to continue doing the right thing. Yeah. Um, Point it out. Yeah. Yeah. So no, it was the right thing. <laughs> good. You know, at least to say, hey, man, this is a eulogy, whatever. We're not going to go down the inclusion route. Mm -hmm. So uh, again, it would have been better if he just said, yeah, you're not invited. Or if the better one would have just been like, we're not having a eulogy for Carlton Pearson. Now, I don't know much about Carlton Pearson. I don't know if I've ever heard the name. The face looks mildly familiar, um, but I don't know too much about him. The article does mention a little bit of who Carlton Pearson was. And it says down here of Carlton Pearson, after he challenged the biblical definition of hell, however, his life was upended by significant rejection from the community that once celebrated him. The Joint College of African-American Pentecostal Bishops Congress, that's a name, branded him a heretic in 2004 for preaching inclusionism, which the Christian Apologetics Ministry, Got Questions, calls the old heresy of universalism repackaged and given a new name. Hmm. So not great. Uh, if Carlton Pearson was preaching universalism, that's heresy. Mm -hmm. So definitely not good. And again, that's why I say the ideal situation would be Mike Todd just goes, yeah, we're not <laughs> doing that. But I guess he had some sort of connection to Carlton Pearson. I don't really know. Again, kudos for pushing back on the inclusion and the lesbian uh, so-called minister. But uh, if you guys know anything about Carlton Pearson, let us know. But I like that definition from Got Questions. That and it's repackaged. In, yeah, inclusionism mm -hmm. is just repackaged universalism because yeah. of course it is, right? God has no standard. He's given us no commands that we have to follow. We can just do whatever we want, be whoever we want, live however we want, and God's going to accept me because I said so. Mm -hmm. All righty then. Um, so kudos and also just take it a little bit further next time there, Transformation Church. Yeah. But uh, all right. Well, glimmer of hope there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you wouldn't have expected that from Transformation Church. No. Because yeah. Mike Todd has been a tad soft on the LGBTQ Christian thing in the past. So not that he's necessarily being yeah. like rock solid here, but something's better than nothing. Yeah. All right. What else do we have in the news? All right. Another from Christian Post. Corporate support for DEI in the workplace is dropping. A report 
the number of companies that are giving support and planning for diversity, equity, and inclusion has declined compared to last year, according to a newly released report. Um, according to the report, the number of companies with budgets directed toward DEI programs has declined four points from 58% last year to 54 this year. Additionally, companies that have a DEI strategy has dropped nine points, going from 60% last year to 51 this year. Reasons for this decline, according to the report, included economic uncertainty that not only led to reduced spending across the board, it also firmly shifted the power balance back to employers. The anti-diversity political attacks on DEI became increasingly aggressive, and many DEI champions becoming understandably fatigued. Yeah. Well, that's a little bit of good, too. <laughs> that's a lot of good. Yeah, this is great news. Um, and it could be a sign that maybe we're beginning to have an impact. You know, like it says here that the anti-diversity political attacks, which were apparently anti-diversity because we don't want gender mutilation in children, but whatever they want to say, right? Um, they're becoming increasingly aggressive. Good. <laughs> we should become more and more aggressive until yeah. they stop doing this. Um, so this is good news, and it's news that you probably would never hear from the godless mainstream media. Right. Yeah, but right. here it is, you know, Christian Post. And if these companies are walking back their DIE initiatives, you know, again, like this thing says, we're becoming increasingly aggressive. I think that should sig signal to us, like the God-fearing folks, to press into that. Mm -hmm. lean into that aggression and that backlash against their companies. So if you're someone who's been boycotting, you know, a company, Target, Bud Light, whatever happens to be, um, keep it up and even take it a step further. You know, I would say don't just boycott them, but let them know you're boycotting them and let them yeah. know why. You know, if you've canceled your Disney subscription or whatever, which you should, um, cancel it and send them a tweet, send them an email. However yeah, you can they need to them. know why. Yeah. Yeah. And say, hey, man, if your uh, policies, if you, you know, if you're Disney and you, you go back to your traditional values, I'll be back. You know, mm -hmm. you'll get my money again. But as long as you're going down this inclusion, you know, LGBTQ, trans and the kids pathway, yeah. I'm off. Like, I'm not with you on that and you're not going to get my money. Let them know and continue the aggression. Uh, it's good to know that we have power in this nation. If we actually try, we can influence a little bit of change and you know the god-fearing people in this country you know the christians those with traditional values they're by and large the ones with the money in this nation you know these are middle-aged families people with you know careers they have the money that these companies want you know the trans activist crowd the gender mutilation crowd <laughs> you know the yeah the sophomore at your state university who lives with their parents, they don't have the money. <laughs> like the only thing they have is the loudest and most annoying voice. So these companies listen to them, <laughs> but we're the ones with the actual money. So if we start using that money smartly to honor, you know, to spend it on things that honor God and not spend it on things that don't honor God, we might actually affect some change. It's amazing how that can work. Mm -hmm. So uh, this is good news, like you said. Make your voice and your absence felt at these businesses. Let them know why you're not there and what it would take to get you back. It's pretty easy thing to do to change the direction. It really isn't difficult. 
No, <laughs> it doesn't take a majority. That's what all these, you know, you hear the pundits and the talking heads and stuff. It doesn't take a majority. Like we don't need to get 51% of American to have, you know, orthodox Christian values. That'd be great, but you don't need it. You just need 10 to 15% that believe and act on those beliefs. Mm-hmm. I mean, the LGBTQ community is a small, small community in this country and yet they've affected so much change so fast because they're just aggressive. Yeah. Well, we don't need everybody. We just need... We don't need to be aggressive in the way they are. No, of course. We're, we still have to yeah. be Christ-like. But um, you can, you know, obviously the apostles were aggressive in their own way, though loving and Christ-like. Christ was aggressive, of course, but loving and truthful. I mean, you can do be all those things at the same time, and we need to figure out how to do that. Or we're just going to give our kids a dumpster fire of a country. And, uh, you know, hopefully we can ride off Social Security before the thing burns to the ground. Not a great plan, America. Not a great plan. Um, but one last story to mention here before we get into all the debate stuff. Uh, do you want to read this headline, honey? Uh, Mike Johnson blasts James Carville for saying Christian nationalists. Worse than Al-Qaeda. Twisted and shameful. Uh, House Speaker Mike Johnson uh, pushed back Sunday against Democratic political... uh, How do you... Strategist? Yeah, he's a strategist. Oh. (laughs) Uh, James Carville's recent assertion that he is a Christian nationalist and that his worldview poses a greater threat to the U.S. than Al-Qaeda. It's twisted and shameful that a leading Democrat strategist says millions of Christians in America are a greater threat than foreign terrorists who murdered more than 3,000 Americans, Johnson tweeted from his official government account. The Democratic Party should condemn this, but they won't. Yeah, absolutely insane. Democrat strategists are a harm to this nation, uh, in my opinion. But, like, progressivism you know, liberalism, at least in the modern form, although, you know, maybe even the form they've always been in, you know, this not classic liberalism, but the more modern idea of liberalism and progressivism, they just, they're satanic mind infections. Like, mm-hmm. What else can they be? That is true. A mind infection. It yeah. Infects their minds. Like this is what leads you to a debased mind. These people are irrationally opposed to Mm -hmm. anything traditional like Americana. Even just the simple Christianity, which leads to prosperity and unity everywhere that it, you know, has an opportunity to thrive. Mm -hmm. That's what it produces because it's God's and it's truth. And that's just what truth brings. Mm -hmm. And these people, they just hate it because I don't know why, like other than they have their minds infected by Satan to hate America and to hate God because like anyone with a straight face and without deceit in their voice, which I'm sure James Carville didn't have. And they say that Christians or Christian nationalists, the label that they like to put on people who love God and love America, uh, they claim that those people pose a greater threat to America than Islam. They are people that should not be taken seriously. Like, At no point in the history of the world has that been true. Not even during the holy wars of the Middle Ages was Christianity uh, a greater threat to anybody than Islam. (laughs) Never. 
like probably even during the Inquisition, Islam has been a greater threat. Almost nobody in the history of the world has posed a greater threat to mankind than Islam since their founding. I mean, since their founding, they've been a warring, you know, attempting to conquer group of people since forever. So at no point. What does he mean by it? Like what, how, how was that true in his mind? I couldn't possibly understand how that's true. Other than Christian nationalist is sort of like a synonym for MAGA, which means Donald Trump. So somehow, you know, getting Donald Trump elected is worse than what happened on 9-11. It's worse than all the butchering that Islam has, you know, just ravaged this world with. I mean, all the, not even just America, right? I mean, you just go to Africa, just go to the Horn of Africa and the way people suffer there under Boko Haram and Al-Qaeda and ISIS. And, but yet, hey, look at Mike over there. Mike down the street, he voted for Donald Trump. That guy's worse than Al-Qaeda. You're not a serious person. Um, And I don't know who James Carville is necessarily. I know who he is, but I don't know who he is in the realm of influencing American politics anymore. But I'm glad that Mike Johnson, or Mike, yeah, Mike Johnson, who uh, our Speaker of the House, if you don't know Mike Johnson, uh, I'm glad that he at least took a stand here because somebody should call out this lunacy from a national platform and not just let it go like unchallenged because it's lunacy. But uh, (laughs) anyways, so before we get into our final discussion there on our Bible topic, if you will, and just as a side note on that, we are going to get back to our Bible topic specifics on sin. Mm -hmm. Um, We've taken a hiatus from that, and I am eager to get back to it. So hopefully next week we can get that topic back in here because... Nothing's changed. We should get his other, I think it's him, the Regress one. Oh, a Pilgrim's Pilgrim's Regress. Regress. I want to. Seems like it'd be a good one. But boy, that's another stressor. Like the books that I've accumulated in the last two, three months, I look at and I'm like, oh man. And I just saw, who's that little, uh, I don't mean this derogatorily, but that was this Chinese lady. I think she has like a Netflix show about cleaning and organizing. Oh, I can't think of her name. Yeah. If it doesn't bring you joy, then get rid of it or something like that. Spark joy. Yeah. And I saw just like a post from her or it was, you know, I don't know who it was her in a post. So whether she said it or not, but it said you should never have more than 30 books. And I was like, what? (laughs) probably truth to that. Um, There is probably truth to that, but. I have more than 30 Bibles. <laughs> so, um, wow. Uh, I hope people don't start throwing away their books. Maybe for everybody take besides that advice. pastor candidates. Yeah. You Anyways. Can, yeah. Yeah. Um, you can have your own little library. Yes. Just I've told Nikki to for people. years, I don't have any desire for a man cave, but a study I certainly have yeah. a desire for. Like a nice study, leather couches, big bookshelves. Something like that. <laughs> Something that would make uh, J.R.R. Token and C.S. Lewis proud to have a meeting in. But uh, anyways. Someday, babe. Someday. Lord willing. <laughs> but let's discuss our uh, debates really quickly. 
and I don't want to spend a ton of time on these. Um, because again, I don't think we learned a lot from at least the Republican debate. I think we learned a little bit more from the DeSantis Newsom debate. Uh, but you know, just in the realm of why even talk about politics is, you know, it affects all of our lives, you know, on a lot of different levels. So I think it's important to discuss them. So just as a broad overview with the fourth Republican debate, uh, Vivek Ramaswamy, he was the clear winner of that debate. I think he won it in a landslide. Um, now, we've liked Vivek Ramaswamy since he basically started running. So you might think that that's kind of just being a homer, but it's not. I mean, we've said on this show for a while now, we like Ron DeSantis. That's who we hope wins the presidency. And that hasn't changed. But watching that debate, Vivek was, uh, I think, a clear winner. I think he did exactly what he needed to do to separate himself from the crowd a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I think he did it in the way that only he could, like really attacking these people as career politicians. And he didn't pull any punches in this debate, which was really good to see. You know, God looks on the heart. I'm just thinking like, yeah, um, he's easy to be drawn to, but I don't think he's a Christian. He's not. And he actually uh. mentioned that in this debate at one point, and he did it. And I think a, a clever way, which some people may take as, you know, not being the most uh, nice or friendly way or whatever, but he did it in the way of attacking Nikki Haley because her name is not Nikki Haley. Her, she actually has like an American Indian name. That's something I can't think of. It's like Nimra or something like that. But apparently, and his assertion was that she sort of changed her name to Nikki to make it more palatable to Americans. And he kind of, you know, insinuated that she sort of has a shallow Christian faith that, again, is used mostly for political gain, which you may say, hey, well, that's not nice to say. But I would tell you, most of our politicians that claim any sort of Christian identity yeah, do it simply right. for politics. Yeah. Um, because which one's... Of which one of our politicians actually stand up there and make bold proclamations for Christ on a routine basis? None of them. So, yeah. So you're saying he's the same, or they're the same as him because of weak faith or no, what no his, faith his or... point was that he's not a Christian. And he was like, listen, it would have been very easy for me to change my name to Vicky Ramaswamy so you guys could say it and give, you know, play the I'm a Christian kind of a game and be soft on my faith so I can be more electable. But he's like, that's not who I am. I'm a Hindu. And, you know, I'm not, he said before that he is, he likes Christian values and he believes in them that they're, you know, what bring prosperity to the nation and stuff. But I thought that was a really good point. Cause again, I would love for him to be a Christian or to have a Christian be as intelligent and quick witted and bold as he is. But I like also that he's like, I'm not just going to be, you know, an actor up here on the stage. I'm going to be who I am. I'm Vivek Ramaswamy and I'm a Hindu. And he's like, I'm not going to be Nikki Haley, who's in fact, actually Nimra, whatever, whatever her name is. I'm probably getting it wrong and forgive me for that. But I thought that was a wonderful point by him. I was like, I am who I am. I'm being the real me. I was like, I can respect that. I thought it was a good answer. I mean, what if he says, what if he said he supported you know, some things that, you know, like LGBTQ things, but he was just being honest about it. I yeah. can't respect that. Well, 
and you I, can respect uh, the honesty in a yeah. sense because in a lot of ways this is what our politicians have done for my entire lifetime they tell you all the wonderful you know conservative traditional god-fearing things they're going to do and then they get into office and somehow things continue on the same way they've always continued on and they never do anything so at least if someone came out and was like listen this is not going to make you happy i support something you don't at least you could go well at least he's being honest with me i'm just saying that doesn't make me more inclined to want to vote for him just because he's honest about that like well, does it make you more not, inclined to vote for Donald Trump because well, he was the first LGBTQ affirming person elected president? Well, it I should just mean but, uh, for Christians considering. I don't know. That's that's tough. No. Yeah. You know, but that's not who Vivek Ramaswamy is. I don't think he's ever said anything of that sort. I think he is of the mindset and please feel free to correct me if I'm wrong in the comments. He's of the mindset that. You know, if adults want to transition or whatever, then that's up to adults, but it shouldn't be done on children, I think is his mindset, which is a better stand than what the Democrat Party has to offer. But again, from a Christian worldview, your stance should be like, no, I don't want anybody to get transitioned because it's wicked and evil and they're made in the, in the image of God as God designed them. So I'm opposed to all of it. Like that would be the stance that I would like to hear, you know, but uh, his stance, I think, is at least a step in the right direction. But um, his response, so he won the debate clearly, but he also, I think, had the best uh, section of the debate, the best answer or response in the entire debate. So I want to play that for you guys here. I thought it was an absolute home run. Foreign policy experience is not the same as foreign policy wisdom. I want everybody at home to know that I was the first person to say we need a reasonable peace deal in Ukraine. Now a lot of the neocons are quietly coming along to that position with the exceptions of Nikki Haley and Joe Biden who still support this what I believe is pointless war in Ukraine. And I think those with foreign policy experience, one thing that Joe Biden and Nikki Haley have in common is that neither of them could even state for you three provinces in eastern Ukraine that they want to send our troops to actually fight for. Look at that. This is what I want people to understand. These people have, I mean, she has no idea what the hell the names of those provinces are, but she wants to send our sons and daughters and our troops and our military equipment to go fight it. So reject this myth that they've been selling you, that somebody had a cup of coffee stint at the UN and then makes eight million bucks after, has real foreign policy experience. It takes an outsider to see this through. Look at the blank expression. She doesn't know the names of the provinces that she... That was an absolute home run. And he was right. If you were watching that debate and her face, it was blank expression. Now she gave a little smirk, but I was like, please, for your own sake, give us three, three provinces. And she didn't. Um, and I think her face said a lot. Um, and just even the start of that, where he makes the point that foreign policy experience is not the same as foreign policy knowledge is absolutely a spot on statement because Donald Trump, uh, with no experience in foreign policy on a political stage proved to have greater wisdom in foreign, you know, affairs than, you know, what do we have in Congress right now? 10,000 years of, uh, 
collective foreign policy experience. Donald Trump, with none, had a better record in foreign policy than all of these experts with their decades of foreign policy experience in Congress. So what Vivek says here is spot on. Your experience means nothing if it's bad experience, right? Like, that's like going to get marriage advice from somebody who's been divorced six times. Listen to me, son. I'll give you some marriage advice. You're like, yeah, "Yeah, I'm not taking advice from the dude that's been divorced six times. Whatever you got to say, I don't want to hear it. Um, Mm. You know, I'll go and get my advice from somebody else. And uh, I think this was just one of the many awesome lines from Vivek. But I thought Nikki Haley did not look good. Chris Christie looked even worse, especially when this happened. Because Chris Christie tried to come in like the shining knight to defend uh, Nikki Haley. So maybe he's running for her vice president. I don't know. Because hmm. he came in and tried to white knight her. And uh, hold on a second. She's a distinguished whoever. And how dare you speak against uh, Nikki Haley? So maybe Chris Christie's running for vice president in Nikki Haley's uh, administration there. Maybe. I don't know. It didn't look good because you kind of liked Nikki Haley when we first started looking at these political um, debates. And I even did, too. I kind of said because she seemed like she, you know, brought up how she fired people (laughs) that needed to be fired. And I don't know. I just you like to see someone who well, Ron DeSantis, the same. So, yeah. And Ron DeSantis, I mean, he's still the best candidate in the race as far as I'm concerned, because not only is he. you know, talks a good game, if you will. He does well in these debates. and But he also has the track record to prove it. Whereas Vivek talks a great game, but he has no track record. Yeah. So there's always that fear there. Um, so in my opinion, Ron DeSantis is still the best candidate, but Vivek won this in a landslide, this debate. And I don't know what Nikki Haley and Chris Christie are still doing in these debates. Um I'm glad to see Mike Pence isn't on the stage anymore. That makes me feel good. Um, <laughs> so, but really bad look for her and Chris Christie tonight. Um, hmm. I know that I saw some headlines where they were trying to say like, well, you know, Nikki Haley actually gave three provinces. You know, she wasn't caught. She knew what she was talking about, but you didn't see that in the debate. So anybody watching this debate, they did not see that and they did not hear that. What they saw was her standing there with a blank stare and a smirk on her face. And yikes, not good. So (sighs) Vivek must have done his homework uh, because he was uh, dishing it out in that debate. It was good to see. Yeah. But that's all I want to talk about on the fourth debate. Uh, I think the real debate, the important debate that happened was the debate between Ron DeSantis and Gavin Newsom that took place last week. And we mentioned last week we wanted to get a chance to watch it, but we just didn't have time before last week's episode. But I will just mention, if you've tried to watch this debate and found it to be incredibly difficult to find, uh, this is why cable news is dying. <laughs> because like, they ran this debate live in place of the Hannity show or whatever. Uh, But then since then, to the best of my knowledge, they've never released the actual full debate for people to go back and watch, which is crazy in the social media world, YouTube world, rumble world. The only um, full debate that I could find was a live stream 
where somebody was kind of commenting at different points throughout the stream, which was a bit annoying, but it wasn't that annoying. Yeah, that's all I can find when I look up debates anyway. I go to watch. Yeah. And I'm like, what is this? I can't even have my own opinion because. Yeah. And thankfully, this one wasn't too bad. I'll link it down in the description if you want to go give a listen to the full debate. And I think it's worth your time because, you know, the Republican debate, you know, whatever. They're just debating the same topics that they've debated over and over. But this was actually what I would consider sort of the leading conservative candidate because even if you like Donald Trump more, he's not a conservative in the way that Ron DeSantis is. So this was the leading conservative versus really the leading liberal in Gavin Newsom in both of their ideas. But more importantly, this was billed as state versus state. A look at how conservative governance versus liberal governance has played out on the state level. Super informative. Um, So go check that out. That's going to be our recommended listening, I think. Go give it a listen. See what you think. But uh, even before I watched the full debate, I just looked around for some clips because I was having such a hard time finding it. And I heard this one clip that I'm going to play for you guys. And I don't think I needed to even hear the rest of the debate to know that this was the best moment in the entire debate. So let's play this um, this section from Ron DeSantis. Oh, the role of the schools to educate kids, not indoctrinate kids. It's not to impose an agenda. It's to do the basics. And what we've said in Florida is it's inappropriate to tell a kindergartner uh, that their gender is a choice. It's inappropriate to tell a second grader that they may have been born in the wrong body. Now, California has that. Uh, They want to have that injected into the elementary school. My Mm -hmm. wife and I have a seven, five and a three year old. Uh, We don't think that that's appropriate. I know most parents do not think it's appropriate. Uh, It's also important to respect parental rights to know what curriculum is being used in the classroom and everything should be age appropriate. I actually have something that I brought that some parents have objected to. So this is a book that's in some of the schools in California, Florida. This is not consistent with our standards called gender queer. It's some of it's blacked out. You would not probably be able to put this on air. This is pornography. It's cartoons. It's aimed at children uh, and it's wrong. So this should not be in schools. Uh, when people like on the left say that somehow you're banning books by removing this from a young kid's classroom. No, this is not age appropriate. And so we're going to stand for the rights of parents. I think we need to do that nationwide. I don't think you can have a situation where some states just trample on the rights of parents. Parents have a fundamental right to direct the education and upbringing of their kids. I, I mean, but- Did you hear what Ron DeSantis said there? It went quick, and I'm not sure you heard it. But he said about this pornographic book in the schools, he said it was wrong. He said it was wrong. Not that he thinks it's wrong. Not that Florida thinks it's wrong. He said it was wrong. It was a blanket statement, right? And I just thought, what a breath of fresh air. Because Mm -hmm. of course it's wrong. Pornography is wrong. So obviously pornography in schools is wrong. Perverting our children is wrong. And I just thought, man, it is about time a politician actually declares that there is such thing as right and wrong. Mm -hmm. And it's universal because God has already decided it. It's not what's right for you is wrong for me. What's wrong for you is right for me. It's wrong. And I was like, thank you for saying that. And obviously the rest of the statement was awesome. Um, But just that point of view, hey, man, we're talking about something here. And it's wrong. Man, what a breath of fresh air. 
Not just, yeah. you know, one truth for you, one truth for me, none of that nonsense. You don't need right to explain. Yeah. Yeah. It's just it's a fact. Yeah, not like, yeah. well, you know, there's LGBTQ kids in these schools and they need a kid who's dealing with gender dysphoria and struggling doesn't need to be fed pornography in their school library just to make their life even worse. Like who thinks that's a good idea outside of the satanic left? Hey, I know that you're really struggling with these gender dysphoric ideas and you're struggling with your identity and it's really difficult. Here's what I can do to help you. Look at pornography. That's going to make your like life how better. How are kids supposed to focus on schoolwork and learn when they have this this thing that they're not even their minds aren't even capable of understanding, comprehending it? It's like distracting and blocking them from thriving in the way they should be thriving. It's just right. Like this is that satanic mind infection that apparently Gavin Newsom has where you can look at a kid and go, he's really struggling. Let's give him porn. Porn's going to make it better for him. Let's give a third grader a, a book, a pornographic book about sexual acts being done on people of the same gender. That's going to help the kid. Are you nuts? Sick. What sort of mind disease can affect you to where a grown man would think that's appropriate in any sense? That's a debased mind. So praise God for someone like Ron DeSantis to have the clarity of just going, no, that's wrong. We're not even going to have a discussion on Florida, California, kid. It's wrong. I don't know. And it comes down to it and you just see all the corruption. You just... I don't know. It's like you just want to vote for the person who is humble and isn't ashamed of God. No. And then you have to just, I don't know, you just pray that God moves through the person. You know, someone like Vivek swoops in and you look at everything about Vivek, what he can do for America. And you're not looking to what God can do through a person. And I think that's what we also need to consider. Don't just look at the most qualified, flashy person, um, the one who's going to be going to God to ask for God's wisdom. I don't know. That's all I can think about with right. and this whole... That's you know even one of the things that I like about Vivek so much. And I know we're kind of going back to the other debate, but you know, granted, he's not a Christian, but his whole platform has been America has lost its way. We've forgotten what it means to be a, be an American. We've lost those American well, we ideals. We can't put America before God. It, no, it, but we're blessed because of God, American not because we're America. American values are Christian values. Um, so, but again, and this is why Ron DeSantis is a better candidate to us um, ultimately. But I like. Vivek's mindset that it's not just about, I'm going to give you more money in your pocket, or I'm going to, you know, bring more prosperity on this land. And sure, all of that would be fine in a sense, but who cares? Fix the the rot in the floorboards. That's what we need fixed. And that's what I think Ron DeSantis said here. Like he's talking about rotten the floorboards and pornography in schools is rotten. We need to fix that. Whether your taxes go down, your gas gets cheaper. We need to fix this rot in the floorboards. And um, the, those are the things that America needs to fix. 
not how many right. more, you know, dollars can the government give me during tax return season? Who cares, man? The country's dying. People are going to hell. We need to fix these, uh, these spiritual, um, and not that a politician's going to fix it, but at least have a understanding of it. Right. In our, I know, just going back to like talking about just our, our Christian, our American values, you know, we need to give glory to God. And, you know, one candidate is just praising the American, you know, our foundation. But we can't have morality and all that, the blessing that started this nation without putting God's name in it. I don't think we can go back to that and leave God's name out of it. No. You can't be moral without God. And I think it's really important to acknowledge it is the God of the Christian faith. It's not the Christian values. It is the God that blessed the nation. It wasn't the... You can't just give credit to what the people did. Right. Behind it is God. Yeah, and I would love to see more politicians just out and out, you know, make that case that I'm doing this because it's right, because God said so. Because God said so. Yeah, you know, that's what I wanted that's to what get I would at. like to see. Um, we now, can't just say this is right and this is wrong. There is no absolute truth outside of God. It comes from God. Right. And that's one of the things I wish someone would have followed up and asked, because late in this debate, Gavin Newsom, when they asked about Israel and Hamas, he made the statement that Israel and Hamas is a war between good and evil, you know, and we got to support Hamas or Israel because, you know, it's a war between good and evil. I just wish somebody would have went, what is good and evil? Who decides what good and evil is? And what is that deciding factor? Because Gavin Newsom wants to abort babies right up until birth. And, you know, maybe if you get them in a, a, alone in a quiet room, maybe a little bit after that, who knows, right? Um, but he certainly wants to approve abortion right up to birth. So it would have been great to have someone go, what makes Hamas killing an Israelite evil, but you and people aborting their babies up until birth, that makes that righteous? Because you use Christ's words to support abortion. So what's good and what's evil and how do we define it and where do we get that definition from? I would have loved for have, you know, to have someone ask that question, but... Um, yeah, they didn't ask that, but Ron, I think, did an awesome job in there. A lot of different, you know, highlights from that debate with um, Gavin Newsom, but that sort of leads me into my worst of the night. And my worst of the night was watching Ron DeSantis be everything that, you know, supposed conservative, Christian conservatives, everything that they've claimed that they wanted a president to be for like the last 40 years of my lifetime. And having this sort of sinking feeling in my stomach that those same supposed, you know, Christian conservatives are going to throw him away so they can go vote for the same man who gave us COVID lockdowns, Anthony Fauci, Christopher Ray and the weaponized FBI. They're going to throw all of that away that Ron DeSantis offers and has proven to be they're going to throw it away so they can elect the American soul in Donald Trump. And 
It just mm. stinks if yeah. that's true. I hope it's not true. Um, and again, I'm fully aware that Ron DeSantis is likely to let us all down. <laughs> he is a politician at the end of the day. But on paper, on track record, on what's being said, this is what we've asked for. I know this is what I've asked for. Um, he's even now he's Catholic. So it'd be nice if he was, you know, just out and out Christian. But we don't know what level of faith his Catholicism is. Um, yeah. So maybe he's a, you know, true believer. I don't know. But that's better than, again, what Donald Trump's offering, which is he's never asked for forgiveness, right? And we have a chance to vote for Ron DeSantis. And, you know, I think we're just going to wind up giving the presidency back to Joe Biden because supposed, you know, Christian conservatives are going to vote for Donald Trump. That's just what I fear. And to me, that makes it the worst of the night to watch Ron DeSantis stand up there and go, yeah, that dude's like everything we could ask for in a politician. He's an actual culture warrior who stands on principle, has a track record of doing the things we want. And then just to go, yeah, but I want to vote for Trump. Like, um, and you know, it just goes back to what we said on this show a lot that this nation today is a place where Christians are largely all talk, right? Um, we don't really want the real action. We don't want the real change. We just want memes, fiery tweets on X. Um, and it just, you know, it makes you think we have the country we have because we deserve it, right? Um, this is the country we, that we want. Uh, we don't want the real change. Um, so this is the country we get. It's the one we want. It's the one we get. And, uh, it yeah. just, that was my worst of the night. And again, I'm not saying Donald Trump wasn't a good president or he may not be a good president again, but in my opinion, most of what made Donald Trump a good president was that he loved America and he wasn't a great politician, not some great Christian, not a conservative, even, or even he just liked America. And in the realm of politics today, where most of them hate America, just having a president like America and want America to do good, look how much better that did. It's amazing. But hmm. um, I sent a post out last week. And uh, what did I say? It was something that uh, it says more and worse about American Christianity if Donald Trump beats Ron DeSantis than if Joe Biden beats Donald Trump. Or it's worse for America. I think is what I said. If Donald Trump beats Ron DeSantis, then if Joe Biden beats Donald Trump. Because if, again, we throw this away because we want Donald Trump to be our vengeance, which is really the whole reason why people are voting for him. They want him to go and be the sledgehammer yeah. to hit all these people that they're mad and angry at, um, by and large, which not only is that untrue because he won't do that, likely, because he didn't do it in his first term. Why would he do it in his second term? But then why do we just want to like have our own vengeance satiated rather than actually go and set the country on the right track? Yeah. Uh, just, yeah, it was tough to watch. Um, now Gavin Newsom embarrassed himself in this debate, in my opinion. Uh, he didn't have any good moments as far as I'm concerned, but his worst moment because really his whole argument was Ron DeSantis is mean, you know, over and over again, it was like, California's failing. And he's like, well, Ron's mean. All right. <laughs> sure. Um, 
But in one of the points where Ron was talking, he kept mentioning Vice President Harris's first name. And he was saying Kamala instead of Kamala, I think is how it's pronounced. So he was saying Kamala. And um, Gavin Newsom interrupted him and was like, her name is Kamala. It is Madam Vice President. It is Kamala. I have Kamala. never heard that. It was embarrassing. And this is a progressive tactic. Um, You know, when all else fails, when you have no leg to stand on, make the fight about terminology Mm -hmm. or phraseology. Yeah. I just had someone do this to me in one of our videos. I don't even remember what video it was or when I said it in the video, but apparently I mentioned someone as transsexuals. And he was like, it's not transsexuals, it's transgendered. And you're like, sure. Did you catch anything else that we said yeah no fix your phrase phraseology so so offended yeah yeah Newsom had almost nothing to go on so it was just ron's mean use the right name say it properly gosh it was embarrassing um (sighs) but uh that was the debates if you guys watched them if you have questions let us know if you haven't watched it uh, at least go and watch the ron desantis gavin Newsom debate i think that one was worthwhile but do you have any thoughts on these topics before we move on to our Sarah Young discussion? Uh, no. Let's move on. Okay. Sorry. I know <laughs> I've been doing most of the talking now. That's because Nikki wisely doesn't pay as much attention to politics as I do. But uh, I should have, yeah, watched that one. It's all right. Uh, we'll watch it again, maybe with the kids and see what they come away with. Um, it'll be their punishment <laughs> for not doing the dishes. But, um, so this is our second week now moving on to Sarah Young, mm-hmm. uh, the second week of us discussing Sarah Young and the sort of psychic channeling type of devotionals that she has put out in her books. Um, the Jesus calling sort of series of devotionals, if you will. Um, and this week we're going to continue to s- discuss that through the book by Brenna Scott or Brianna Scott. Forgive us if we get her name wrong. There's no A in the beginning. I say Brenna Brenna. Scott. (laughs) Um, And it's called Christian Journaling or Psychic Channeling, a critical comparison of Jesus Calling series with occult training literature. And I will just mention this um, because the thought might be from those of you listening, like why discuss this now? So many other people have already discussed Sarah Young. Why are you still talking about it? Well, firstly, uh, this is new to us. I mean, the the woman, Brenna Scott, sent us an email with this book, and it was written and it highlighted things in a way that I've never heard before, mm-hmm. not this in-depth. So it was new to us. And again, we haven't, you know, we don't really spend a lot of our time in the occult and the mystic and, you know, sort of the Christian heresy world. This is still sort of new to us. So we're getting caught up on a lot of things, which some of you may also be getting caught up on some of this stuff. So that's why we wanted to talk about it. But then secondly, this holiday season, I am certain that Sarah Young's books, her Jesus Calling books are flying off bookshelves all across the country and being wrapped up and put under the tree for people that you know And those people should be warned against, both from buying it and reading it. So this is probably a good topic to talk about every holiday season. Mm -hmm. I just went on christianbook.com. You can find affiliate links down in the show notes, support the channel. But 
on their, you know, Christmas sale, it was Jesus Calling, like on the first row of books, highlighted right there with a discount. So you can pick it up for cheap. So this is important because people are still being fed this occult training material, if Mm -hmm. you will, and they think it's Christian. So it's dangerous. Yeah. And just for context, maybe this is why I was so discouraged this week because I went and looked this up. Uh, Jesus Calling has been sold over 40 million copies. And that's just, I think, the Jesus Calling book, not even her like 10 other devotionals. So 40 million copies of that book have been sold. Staggering number. So I thought, you know what? Let me go and look up a real, you know, devotional book, something people should read. So I went and looked up The Cost of Discipleship by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Wonderful book. Uh, If you want to know what it means to take up your cross daily, die to yourself, costly grace, all of those sorts of things. So I went and looked up The Cost of Discipleship. 43,000 copies sold. And that just broke my heart. That is just a great (laughs) explanation of why our country is the state it's in. Yep. Just look at the book sales. (laughs) Yep. We're being fed Sarah Young, Jesus Calling, and, you know, Christian mysticism at a staggering number. And it's a different Jesus. It's a different gospel. Entirely. It just shows you the gospel that most. Most people in our country are believing it's yeah. really sad. So I'm going to yeah. put links down in the show notes to the cost of discipleship. Please do yourself a favor and go pick up a copy this holiday season. Get it as a gift for someone. Yep. Yes. If you know that they were given Jesus calling, send that to them as well and say, please, for the love of your soul, read this instead of that. But um, yeah, Nikki did a little more research this week in this book, so I'll let you run mm-hmm with discussing um, psychic channeling. And um, I will play the foil here. You can be the host. (laughs) But uh, yeah. Yeah, well, this book that Brenna Scott uh, wrote and emailed to us, yeah, it's been really eye-opening for both of us, like he said. Um, Because I've never picked up a book about psychic channeling before or even researched what it is, how it's done, you know, we had no idea. So, so when I had read Jesus Calling devotional, like, I don't know, seven or eight years ago, friend gave it to me as a gift, might've been a Christmas gift. With friends like that, who needs enemies, right? <laughs> um, I loved I it. I, um, I, I did. I loved the devotional when I read it. Um, I was oblivious to the wording, the instructions um, that she was giving to the, to the reader. And that's why this book is so important here, because she even makes note of this. And we talked about this last week that just taking these devotionals one week at a time, you don't notice it. But when you take that 20,000 foot view and you just see all, and that's what yes. you're going to see this week, yeah. all of the listings, just you see the pattern and you see yes. the training and you're like, holy yep. cow, how did I miss that? Mm-hmm. It's dangerous. Yeah. So the way that Sarah Young made the Jesus Calling devotional and her other devotionals. Um, It isn't the way Jesus would talk to us or instruct us to do anything. I actually read a couple of them tonight um, to my kids, which I'm going to read on here. And I said, hey, um, just tell me if something sounds off as I'm reading it. 
And our son, Kobe, goes, it just doesn't sound familiar. And I was like, good. It shouldn't sound familiar. It should be like a foreign language to you. <laughs> like, yeah. Jesus doesn't speak that way. Yeah, he's like, couldn't he couldn't figure out what was wrong. He was just like, it just sounds, it doesn't sound familiar. Yeah, really? Um, you don't remember Jesus telling you he's going to wrap you in his love light? No? Yeah. No, you don't remember that one? Yeah, I don't either. But um, I don't know. These, um, it's just important for believers to actually read God's word. And that was us before we didn't really study God's word. Well, Spencer didn't read the devotional. I probably maybe pointed some out to you if I thought they were neat, but. No, but this girl mentioned, I think Brenna Scott mentions this in her sort of prologue that, um, maybe it was her sister or I can't remember. It was her or somebody else pointed her out that. Her sister and like, her mom. She, yeah. One of the things that concerned them is that they desired to read the devotional more than the Bible. Right. So right. when they had time to read and study the word, they found that they were going more to the devotional mm -hmm. than the, the Bible. And they're like, that's not good, mm -hmm. um, which should concern all of us. Right. Mm -hmm. So, well, this is how we have discernment is by reading God's word. If I had been in God's word, used to the voice of God, the way God speaks, I would have picked up on the weird instructions, the weird wording in this devotional back then. So um, I know a lot of people are where I was, and we're just trying to help other people get out of it, and hopefully they'll be thankful. I'm thankful that I had people in my life guide me out of, you know, it really is like new age type of stuff. Um, yeah. So I just want to read a couple of her devotionals and see if anyone uh, listening notices what is odd about them. Um, so these are two devotionals that Brenna Scott actually referenced in her in her book. So this first one. Do you remember what page it's on? Um, no, it's not in here. Actually, I looked it up online for the devotional. So okay, um, if you want to pull it up real quick, just. I just typed in um, Jesus Calling December 22nd. That's And it'll pop right up the first, um, first link. Went right to it. Yep. Um, okay, so it says, Come to me and rest in my presence as you ponder the majestic mystery of the incarnation. Relax in my everlasting arms. I am the only person who was ever sired by the Holy Spirit. I didn't know what sired meant. I know I had to look that up. What, means given? like a something to do with the father becomes your parent or something to do with the father. Hmm. Um, so anyway, a little bit of understanding with that. So he says, I'm the only person who was ever sired by the Holy Spirit. This is beyond your understanding. Instead of trying to comprehend my incarnation intellectually, learn from the example of the wise men. They followed the leading of a spectacular star, then fell down in humble worship when they found me. Praise and worship are the best responses to the wonder of my being. Sing praises to my holy name. Gaze at me in silent adoration. Look for a star of guidance in your own life and be willing to follow wherever I lead. I am the light from on high that dawns upon you to guide your feet into the way of peace. 
So right when I read this, I noticed this, uh, I guess, contradiction. Reset. She says, um, I, I'm the only person who was ever sired by the Holy Spirit. And then she says, this is beyond your understanding. Um, so she starts off by saying, ponder the majestic mystery of this, but it's beyond your understanding. Um, instead of trying to comprehend my incarnation intellectually, just learn from the wise men and just follow the star in your own life. Yeah, Isn't and, that weird? Well, <laughs> and that's the whole point of this training thing is just like, close your eyes, shut your mind off and just be led wherever I take you. Yes. Don't think about it. Just go follow this majestic star. And you're like, I don't think I should do that. I should probably read the Bible. and Yeah, we're supposed to think intellectually about scripture. Like, you're not going to find anything in scripture that says, I know I wrote this to you, but it's beyond your understanding. Just just follow a star. <laughs> yeah, I think it's I weird. Can't verse, but um, isn't Moses, I think, that talks about how what that like the Bible is the stuff God has given us to know. Like there are certain things that are certainly of oh, God. Right. Uh, I can't think of the verse. It is right the now. honor of the glory of kings to search out a matter or something like that. I can't remember, glory. but I know I never get that one right. There are things that are of God that we can't know, but there are things that he has given us to know. Um, and he has given us the Bible that explains his birth. Yeah. We're, we're and, supposed to understand that. Yeah. Yeah. We're meant to understand. Well, there's funny, there's another part in here where she mentioned something from Sarah Young's book, and I don't know if I can find it, but we read it where she sort of talks about how, you know, hearing from Jesus and he was complaining about his birth conditions. I'm bringing that one up. Oh, okay. Sorry. It's the next devotional. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. The second devotional. I have two in here that I'm going to bring up, um, and it is December 25th. Uh, oh, sorry. I didn't tell you. You'll have to just type it in. Yep, the second one. Yep, I was um, planning all this and didn't communicate very well with you. Communication is the key to a happy marriage. <laughs> okay, December 25th devotional says, As you wait attentively in my presence, the light of the knowledge of my glory shines upon you. This radiant knowledge transcends all understanding it transforms every fiber of your being, um, renewing your mind, cleansing your heart, invigorating your body. <laughs> um, open yourself fully to my presence. Be awed by my glorious being. Try to imagine what I gave up when I came into your world as a baby. I set aside my glory so that I could identify with mankind. I accepted the limitations of infancy under the most appalling conditions, a filthy stable. That was a dark night for me, even though angels lit up the sky proclaiming glory to awestruck shepherds. When you sit quietly with me, the process I went through is reversed in your experience. As you identify with me, heaven's vistas open up before you, granting you glimpses of my glory. I became poor so that you might become rich. Sing hallelujahs to my holy name. Creepy. Yeah. So 
I thought it was really weird that he talked about the appalling conditions, like you were saying, a filthy stable. You know what's appalling to God? Sin. Not a stable. (laughs) Well, it's funny. She writes in there that apparently Jesus told her that was a dark night for me, his birth in the stable, which he foreordained before the foundation of the earth, that that's exactly how he would come into the world. And yet he came in the world and was like, oh, what a gross environment. It's exactly as he wanted, exactly he was, when he wanted. How, like, he is sovereign over everything, even his own birth. Like, why would he, why would he tell you that? Oh. He was in the arms of his mother. Why is that appalling? That she nursed him, loved him. It's all. Cared. For him. How was that an appalling condition? It's it's beautiful. It's wonderful. It was joyous. The angels were rejoicing. Surely Jesus was rejoicing. They are not in opposition. It's like literally having like an infinite amount of money and building your perfect dream house down to the floorboards. And then the contractor gets done and gives you the keys and you open it up and you're like, oh, this house is disgusting. Like it's everything you wanted. Terrible. I can't believe I have to live here. (laughs) (laughs) And this is even stupider because it's God who ordained his own coming into the world. It's just, um, but then even just that point, like, as you identify with me, heaven's vistas open before you, granting you glimpses of my glory. Where are these heavenly vistas that are opening. This is like when the word of faith and sort of the, you know, like uber charismatic ones were like, you know, if you say to that mountain over there and, you know, whatever, and you cast it into the sea, like who has ever cast a mountain into the sea? Who, where, ever? Like that's somehow like a verse that they cling to, to like this, this verse tells me I can do miraculous things. And, you're like, well, then cast the mountain into the sea. If that's what it's really telling you, cast the mountain into the sea. I'm opening these vistas for you. What vistas are you seeing? I don't know. It's very flowery language. Yeah, it's exactly um, the way a woman who, you know, was in desperate need for like, I don't know. I don't know. It's definitely like two women. Like, yeah, you can tell like Hallmark you don't Jesus. get this devotional for a man. But I also thought in this devotional, the Christmas one, um, he says, or she says, it's not really Jesus speaking. Will you scroll back down? Um, uh, when you, oh, the process I went through is reversed in your experience. So Jesus was in appalling conditions, a filthy stable, like just living in appalling conditions. Is that really reverse for everybody? If that's what she's talking about is the the conditions, the filth. How many believers live in filth in other countries, like in Asia and the... Right, and not to mention so many... that he was birthed, as he mentioned, sired by the Holy Spirit and born in sinless perfection, yet we're all born mired in death and sin from the moment we're conceived. And yet somehow Christ was the one in the appalling conditions, but us born into this body of death 
is reversed. It's not reversed this at all. This is one of those things where you read or you hear people talk and it just, it's not reality. You know, um, my, these conditions are reversed in your life and you're looking around and you're like, I see all these people that love you. It doesn't seem like they're all just born in these heavenly vistas. It looks like they're born in the muck and the mire and they're, mm-hmm. you know, suffering from the weight of sin and death. And the world hates us. It doesn't seem to be and, true. Yeah, and we are called to go through persecutions as well. We're called to follow Christ. Yeah. In that respect. Yeah, okay. It's we need crazy. to move on, though. We can just go on and on just about that. Um, on page 31. Well, let's, I want to just give a quick over overview before? really quick of what this is in the second half of the book. Because in the first half of the book, we were kind of just talking about where this sort of occult um, thought process came from, from Sarah Young and how she sort of learned of it and how it was being sort of introduced to her readers. But the second half of the book here, and if you're not watching on YouTube, um, either come find our video on YouTube or Rumble or Facebook or whatever, or go to the link spiritjournaling.com. The (laughs) book is there. It'll be linked in our show notes. But as you flip through here, you know, she talks about the 50... um, the 50 steps of channeling Mm -hmm. on one of her pages. But then she goes through all of the four or all of the 50 steps in a sense. And she gives a myriad of specific examples. So when you look at this book and it's almost best to read it online rather than a paperback or a hard copy, because on the left side of the book is all of the occult training manuals. And on the right side of the book Mm -hmm. is all of the, um, similar phrasing and references from Sarah Young's writings and like this one for meditating. I mean, the page is just filled with, um, quotations and she circles them in red. So they're very easy to see when the exact same phraseology is Mm -hmm. used exact same term. And this goes through all like 50 different points and the steps of, uh, channeling spend time alone, sit or lie down get still, be quiet, relax, breathe deeply. These are all she, I mean, the research that she did to put this book together in the way that she did Mm -hmm. is awesome. Again, why we wanted to highlight it. So just as we go through these points, just know this is almost the back, like 120 pages of the book are just this occult training manual on the left, Sarah Young's writings on the right, and just how Almost just so similar, perfectly similar yep. they are. So again, when we read that one or two references last week, and she sort of circled some stuff and said, "This is a cult phraseology," and you're like, "Well, that could have just been a mistake." Maybe when you read one devotional, but when you see this, and there's just hundreds and hundreds of these references and similarities, it's a whole. And there are lot things harder. you don't even see in scripture, like. Breathe in my presence. Yeah. Breathe in my spirit. That's not found in scripture. Yes. Tell me how to breathe in your spirit. But <sighs> sorry, I just wanted to give that sort of overview of what you can yeah, that's see and why this book there. is so important, I think, if you know people that read Sarah Young, um, because it is very important. Yeah. So it's like a training course. Like when you see it like this, you see it like you're being trained to um, 
Yeah, and you can channel. actually see. Do the psychic channeling, and you don't even know it. Um, so can that be, yeah. I'm just seeing where I was going to read on there. Sorry. Um, so the whole training course thing, um, yeah, it says Young's readers are offered a wonderful, like this, just comparing it to the psychic channeling books. I don't know how many different ones she read and referenced, but there's, there's a, a lot, lot in there. You know, like they're going on a wonderful experience, like an adventure and all these things. And that's how Sarah Young describes what what she's or what Jesus supposedly is bringing you on some spiritual adventure. Um, so they're all offered a wonderful, high-reaching, amazing, awesome, intimate, you know, grand adventure. Um, so it says they l gradually learn the techniques and promises of this new spiritual practice through daily reading. Uh, new ideas, often in the form of commands, are presented with consistent repetition throughout the books. And it says, at first, readers may not realize how much this adventure demands of them, but eventually they discover that it is a process that requires concentrations, focus, mental discipline, effort, work, persistence, practice, and substantial amounts of time. Um, they turn out, these devotionals turn out to be much more than an independent series of teachings. They, in fact, constitute a training course. Yep. So I just wanted to read that just to, so you can see um, as we read these little snippets. We're just going to like, you know, I, I wrote down some things that stood out to me because um, you can just easily skim past them. Um, some things kind of jumped out at me, so I want to make sure I brought them up. Um, so if you yeah. think of any that I missed. Um, yeah, that's fine. So, yeah, this is really weird for the some of them um, from Jesus today he says, as you practice these disciplines, you will gradually be transformed. Um, and in the other one, it says, as you do these things, you'll be changed. So it's about doing. Um, so she has the devotions for kids and for adults. So the same instruction for the kids, as you do these things, you'll be ch changed. These practices. So everything is about this meditation type of thing, this focus. Um, then you'll be changed. But the scripture says his word is what changes us. It transforms our mind. Meditating on his word, not literally meditating. <laughs> well, and, not, and, and again, we talked about what scriptural meditation was versus Sarah Young meditation, where yeah. her meditation is empty your mind yeah. and let my presence fill it, where scriptural meditation is meditate on my word, mm -hmm. you know, be in prayer to me. Those are like the scriptural meditations where hers is just open your mind and let some random spirit breathe into it. And that's dangerous. Um, so yeah, definitely being transformed, but by who mm -hmm. um, is the question. Um, and this part here is, you know, she talks about the method. So this book is kind of broken up in chapters, obviously. And this part basically from, you know, page like f 41 or 45 kind of, again, through like 170 is all just 
breaking down the method and then matching it up with the cult mm-hmm. training. So uh, very well done, very well put together. Mm-hmm. So you can scroll past this because I was talking about what you already explained here. My notes there. And you explained it better than what I was going to. Okay. This is, uh... Yeah, the website's kind of um, touchy. It's hard to... When you're on the part where you have to flip pages. Yeah. Um, yeah, so she has these broken down, those 50, what were they called? 50 steps of steps. channeling. So in the meditate, I guess I'm going to say category, in the portion where it's teaching you to meditate, um, some of those words or phrases are in there. Like when you're meditating, um, there's a list here. Uh, find a place, spend time alone, sit or lie down, get still, relax, breathe deeply, all these things, open yourself, focus, repeat a mantra. I thought that one was all that stuff. Repeat a mantra. Mm-hmm. Like. So, yeah, like, so in this section of her book, she's going to focus on that, on just pointing out all the parts that she's teaching you to meditate. Um, yeah, like look at all of these for repeating a mantra. My name, you may use it freely to commune with me. Loving, lovingly utter the word Jesus all day long. Um, whisper these words over and over again as you sit. Mm-hmm. My thinking silent each time you inhale. Yeah, that's kind of weird. I've heard. I actually heard people teach that, but not from her devotional. But well, and then here's one from. Richard Webster's Spirit Guide and Angel Guardians. Each time you inhale, like it's the exact same phraseology mm-hmm. and terminology that Sarah Young uses. Because if you just look at this on its own, just reading her devotional, you'd be like, well, that's off a little. I wonder where she gets the this idea to like inhale um, as you say his name over and over again, this repeating, but you don't know why it sounds weird. Until you comparing it with, and that's these why this book's important to see books. it just side by side, and mm-hmm. then you can kind of go. And again, you can answer that question for yourself: Is this just coincidence mm-hmm. that these hundreds and hundreds of references sound so similar to occult training, or is it purposeful? Mm-hmm. Um, that's the question you can answer for yourself. And I think this book does a really good job of making the case that it's got to be purposeful. Um, there's no way you just stumble into this that frequently simply by mistake. Impossible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can you go back to what, um, page 54, 55? I just didn't remember what I was going to say that I wrote down the page number. Um, so in get, this one is the phrase get still. So can you go to the other page? I was going to compare those. I can't remember what. It was in the, it's too small. It won't let us like zoom in. <laughs> I can't read it. Um, yeah, I want to read that pink portion, that highlight. That's what I'm trying to read. It says, so this is the, the left side that's talking about, it's not Sarah Young's. It's like the, the psychic channeling stuff. So channeling students are taught to get physically and mentally still to help them achieve inner stillness, a welcoming environment for their spirit guide. Also, when they are motionless, they have less sense of their physical body and can begin to feel detached from it. So I wanted to compare that to Sarah Young's 
on top of page 55. It says, I seldom force an entrance through many voices and distracting thoughts. Uh, There must be first the coming apart and then the stilling of all else as you wait in my presence. Come with the lover into the stillness. You have to hush the heart and bid all your senses be still. So I'm like, I'm just at the beginning here. How creepy is that? The coming apart and then the stilling? Come with your lover into the stillness? What does that mean? What is that from Christ supposedly telling you? And it makes sense why we had friends who said they opened it and read a few couple of pages and they were like, I was just creeped out by it. And you're like, I wish yes, I would have been creeped out creepy. by it. It's weird. <laughs> but um, is that one from, okay, so that one I just read is actually from the God calling, not the Jesus calling. So it'll reference if it's from the God calling, which is where she learned from. Right. She got her inspiration and her desire to seek Christ in the one-on-one way, like these women from God calling. Yeah. So all these phrases in here, it'll tell you if it's from Jesus calling or Jesus today. It'll just say like JT if it's from the devotional Jesus today um, or JC for Jesus calling. Some of them, I don't even know what they stand for. I just want to mention, we're not going to be able to go through all of these points um, or we're going to be here till the hour. So. I know. Um, I went through there, it and it took forever. I was like, there's so much in here, but you're going to have to just read it. Like, Right. This is literally something where every page you can um, pull this up and make this same case about it. And some are certainly creepier than others. And some are certainly more uh, similar than others, uh, more references. But again, 50 different topics with 15 to 20 similar paragraphs or uh, sentences, phrases on mm-hmm. every page, it's staggering the amount of occult phraseology that's used mm-hmm. in these writings. What was that go... one that we read that was super weird? Well, I don't get ahead. I want to see what I um, just go up on my notes really quick. I want to see. Um, yeah, there's stuff even on. Yeah, the relaxing one um, saying that you need to relax in order to connect with me. So another meditation thing, you she's teaching you can't pray to God, you, you can't connect with them unless you're in this quiet space away from everybody. Um, Which Paul tells us we should be praying at all times. Yeah, God hears you at all times. So apparently you should be in meditation 24 hours a day. Yeah. Or God um, won't hear you. And I don't know, what was page 67? You can go up to 67. And that one was about... Uh, I wanted to compare that one, quieting your mind. Um, and I can't read it. It's too small now. I wanted to compare some of those phrases. Um, Is this the one that we know? Make your mind like a still pool of water. Yeah, the phrase about bubbling up to the surface, that is also in the occult books. Um it's just about emotions, like let your emotions bubble up to the surface for you to release them. So this that yeah. weird bubbling up to the surface. And this one from the bubbling up from the surface comes from Melanie Beckler's as guide, channeling the guides. That's the occult book. Mm-hmm. She says, you will know which emotion is lingering and bubbling up to the surface for you to release. And Sarah Young writes in Jesus Calling, 
Letting all your fears and worries bubble up to the surface of your consciousness. The bubbles pop and disappear. All this imagery, all this imagination stuff is same... a meditation. It's a... Yeah, this isn't stuff. We're not supposed to use our imagination trying to connect with Jesus. And that's what a lot of this is. It's about what all of feel it this. There's ones like feel my light caress your face and your face will tingle. Well, do you want to bring up maybe three more? I know we got a hundred. Yeah, I put a lot of points in each category and I'll, eh, yeah. Um, Let me see. I find that one that freaked us out about him being in the back of your mind. There is one about a warning. I wanted to bring up one of the warnings from the occultist book on page 70. So even the occultists, the authors warn um, people about opening yourself up. To the spirit realm. So down on the bottom is the warning. Um, yeah, it says warning from occultists on page 70. Um, and this is from Viloldo and Krippner healing states from that book. Um, it says multiple personality disorders and other illnesses can be caused by intrusive spirits that are attracted to patients who have open windows into the spirit world. And and then another site there about as you open yourself up, you will be a magnet for spirit. And then over on Sarah Young's side, she's all these phrases about, oh, up on the top there, I want to see, um, your soul, stay in communion with me. Your soul opens up to me. Um, let me see. Oh, this thing about dimensions. She says, there are actually more than four dimensions in this world, the dimensions of openness to my presence. Like who reads that and goes, yes. Yeah. There's a dimension of openness. Weird. And it says the dimension of openness to my presence, consider a fifth. Open your heart to the fifth dimension, the most exciting one of all, my presence with you. Um, yeah, this one down here says, just stay open as if you were a window on a summer day. Let down your guard. Um, yeah, and the whole the the magnet word again, human weakness is like a magnet drawing my power. So just the warning, just the the psychic channeling books give a warning that you, you know, something can come in and you get multiple personality disorder. But Sarah Young here is, she's not warning anybody. And you don't know what Jesus she's trying to have you call to take over, to take control of you. It's his presence. Yeah. It's, as you read this, you just, you see, like, this is not Jesus. Jesus doesn't, speak this way let's see if i can find i have it in here and i put um well i put right there i've made a note that it's it's really creepy (laughs) so maybe that's the one page okay uh that might be it 88 and 89 it better be it's creepy (laughs) so this one's about connecting um you might want to go to the top more maybe it says it at the top that one is creepy. Sensing Jesus' presence. Uh, I don't... Well, I don't. These are the ones where I caress you with a gentle breeze. Uh, uh, it talks about... And remember, we talked last week about how those are sort of occultic terms, you know, like stroking your cheek or tingling sensations. They're trying to get stuff. you to use your senses, um, like imagine that you can actually feel his presence or, yeah, he touches you or you can hear his voice. He they says, get I your... stroke your cheek with a gentle breeze to remind you that I'm right beside you. 
And then here's all, you know, the occultic gentle breeze, gentle touch. Yeah. Um, close by your side, hovering near my right shoulder. And yeah. she writes, I am hovering over your shoulder, reading every thought. So again, exact phrasing yeah. and terminology. She's trying to teach people to be aware of his presence and to feel it like it's a tangible thing. Like all the time, like training you to always be in this state. Yeah, that's how you know where his that presence he's there. is that strong. Um, but there is one specific. On. I want the one that I said about feeling overwhelmed. One hundred seven. I know there's so many good ones on here. I wanted to bring up, but uh, page one hundred seven. Uh, I think it's over on the right. Yeah, on Sarah Young's side. So this one's really weird. Go up to the top real quick. What is the... This is about feeling yourself expanding, like as his spirit fills you. Like you're actually going to feel... So this is possession. We aren't told that we're going to feel like an actual... Like something's inside of us. Um, I don't know. I'm just going to read some of this. So this is Sarah Young's devotional. As you give yourself to me, my spirit swells within you till you are flooded with divine presence. So that's from Jesus Calling. Um, as you open yourself to my compassionate presence, this love flows into you more freely like new wine. My love expands within you, increasing your capacity for me. Um there's another one. Oh, this one right here. As my presence envelops you, you may feel overwhelmed by my power. Sensing your smallness in comparison to my greatness. Uh, wait, where's the one about? Um, I don't. Oh, I don't want you to feel overwhelmed by the force of my love. I restrain myself from crushing anyone with my mighty ar ardor. A r d o r. Yeah. Um, I know precisely what each of my children can handle. Yeah, like who in the Bible has been crushed by God's Holy Spirit filling them? Why does God desire to fill you, but like, oh, it's too much? But I, why would God desire oh, to just fill us? Sorry, to, I crushed to give him. us. This is like reaching for signs, like, like faith isn't enough. I gotta experience. I gotta meditate and actually feel His Spirit. Um. Like God's going to fill you with the Spirit and you're just going to pop like a balloon. Oh, I gave him too much of my Spirit there. Just it's, popped him. Yeah, it's really <laughs> odd. I'm like, did I read this? Like, did I, I didn't catch on to how weird that is when I read this devotional. Well, there was one that he talked, she talked about, and I can't find it, but I just have to mention, she talks about how Jesus is standing at the back of our mind waiting for us to remember that he's there. Well, go up. I have it. Just well, let me see mine. I couldn't find it in here. It's the communication one. Um, yeah, that one, 103. Jesus waiting to be invited. Yeah. Invite Jesus. Yeah, we, all, we always hear that phrase, invite Holy Spirit. You are welcome here. We hear that in churches a lot. Um, I, I wait. Yeah, he says, yeah. I stand silently in the background of your mind, waiting for you to remember that I am with you. <laughs> what is that? Yeah, I'm waiting for you to remember my presence. I'm always waiting to fill you with my spirit. Invite me into your thoughts. 
oh, shut out the world and invite me in. How many rooms have you invited me to live in? What rooms <laughs> should I invite you to live in, Jesus? I was hoping the Holy Why Spirit do we have rooms? live in me. That's not even anywhere in Scripture that we have different rooms. There's none of this in Scripture. It's all bizarro. Um, all right, give them your last point because we got to wrap this thing up before Man. it gets too long. I know there's literally every page of this, and it's sad because it'll make you chuckle. It'll make you go, what in the world is this? But then it should also give you pause and you okay. go, holy cow, people are really just okay. gobbling this Let up. me just bring up two things. Okay, I don't know if you need to go to the page. 132, 133, um, talking about like God reprogramming, oh, the spirit ro- reprogramming our thinking, um, like taking control of my thoughts. Um yeah, look looking to me all your thoughts are God inspired. All your thoughts? We don't struggle in our mind anymore? We don't have to the battlefield of the mind isn't a thing anymore? You don't have to take your thoughts captive anymore. Just let Christ <sighs> expand in you until he crushes so you. So it's weird. He says I will put my thoughts into your mind. Where where in scripture do we read God puts his thoughts in our mind? Like, yeah, okay, we have the mind of Christ, but that doesn't mean what God is thinking, we are thinking. Right, and that would just be his... Like, she could have just came out and said, meditate on my word day and night. Yeah, and that's it. And been like, good. But not, I'm going to put my exact thoughts into your mind. Yeah, help so you my think my thoughts. So my thoughts burst freely upon your conscience. So anyway, right. there's like 25 instances she has written here. And everything's contrasted with... The occult, their books, uh, your their the spirit that enters you, their thoughts. Be- you're becoming one with the spirit, whatever spirit you're. I don't know that's out there. Oh, I wanted to bring up. I don't even know if I wrote it down. The idea of the golden, the golden, golden cord, the golden cord reaching up to heaven, like a spiritual realm that it connects you to God. I don't know. If that's in there. I mean, it's there. I just, I don't think I put down the page. Um, Yeah, this weird. So it's an occult thing, and she brings it up often. Okay, page 76. Oh, it was way back there. You made me skip it. But this, yeah, this golden cord up to the divine is how the occult books describe it. Yeah, it says channeling students are sometimes taught to construct a cord of light connecting their physical body, their soul, and the divine and use it as a safe path of ascension. An experienced channeler may be able to see this cord in people who are fully awakened. That's the occult. That's the channeling technique. And then she gives the Sarah Young connect where she references right here in Jesus Calling Hope is like a golden cord connecting you to heaven. Mm-hmm. It's a golden cord connecting you to me. It's like a precious golden rope that keeps you close to me. It's literally that's a that's in the kids same. devotional too. It's a literally an rope. occultic golden rope sort of channeling technique. Just word that for one word is, translated to Christianity. There's yeah, that one is so obvious. You can't like what scripture would she even reference for that? A golden cord, because she tries to use scripture to back up her creative, 
I don't know, instruction, but they don't go together. So that's why you can be deceived. Yeah. So we've got at least 20 other specific references listed down here. And that's just some of the ones we wanted to talk about. But this is already getting into being a very long episode. (sighs) So, you know, we've talked about Mm -hmm. this for two weeks now on Sarah Young. And, you know, I get that not everybody who reads Sarah Young is some new age mystic. Right, Um, right. They're deceived um, because obviously Sarah Young is a good writer. Um, it's use, it uses, like she talked about, or we discussed last week, interweaving scripture, things that sound like the Bible, but it's used in a way that's not actually scriptural. So it, it's training you to basically come to Sarah Young for your supposed spiritual nurturing, rather than going to the word of God to really be nurtured by the Holy Spirit through his word. And that's what's super dangerous. And then again, what this book I think highlights very well is you're opening yourself up to something. You're not doing it according to God's word. You're making yourself an open vessel, if you will. Yeah, if you had something fill you, a spirit fill you, it wasn't Jesus. Yeah, Yeah. don't. If you feel like you're (laughs) expanding inside with a warm tingle on your cheek, uh, I would pray and repent and I would throw that book in the trash. scary stuff. So this is important. And again, 40 million copies have been sold. Many, many more will be sold this year. And people are going to be doing what this author's talked about. Other people have mentioned they're going to be going to Jesus Calling for their connection to Christ instead of the Bible. And they're going to be getting trained to basically do anything besides godly, Christian, righteous living. Um, And that's super dangerous. I mean, there's nothing worse than thinking you're walking close to God when you're, in fact, being led far away from him. That's mm-hmm. got to be the worst. To think that you're seeking Jesus and you're not. Yeah. You got to be in the Word to discern that. So, again, please go and read this. It's free on our website, and you can buy a hard copy book for $10 if you want one, but you can read the whole book for free on our website. Would you guys have it? liked it if we didn't talk about all the politics and we had more time to bring up more of these points? Let us know in the comments. More <laughs> politics or more Sarah Young or just a cultic. Um, because again, and that's another reason why we discussed this. This isn't just Sarah Young. This is infecting a lot of the church. We talked about Bethel. We've talked about Word of Faith and how that has its sort of occultic um, underpinnings as well. And the you know so Sarah Young's forty million is just one of many avenues in which this is infecting the church, so we can't just go oh who cares anymore? Well, you should care if you love your brothers and sisters and you want to save their souls and not let them be led off to the wide road that leads to destruction. You should care, and um, we all should care, right? Uh, I remember the John MacArthur quote where. They asked him, you know, how does he pick and choose which battles to fight? And he said, we fight every battle. That should be the mindset of a Christian. I fight every battle. I don't take anything lightly um, when it comes to, and again, not to say that we all have a perfect theology. Of course not. But when you see error this blatant, you can't just go, who cares, right? Like, whatever. 
You should yeah. care. You don't want your friends to have a multiple personality disorder. Pretty serious. I mean, God. I was just hearing, I was just feeling Jesus tickle my cheek. You should be like, what? We need to find an exorcist ASAP because uh, that is not natural. So do you have any final thoughts on this before we close out the episode? Of course I do. There was so much more I wanted to say. If you guys hours on this, <laughs> maybe we'll talk about it again. Who knows? If you tell us down in the comments, you want to hear more about occultic teachings in Christianity, we will give you more. Uh, if you want to hear more about politics, we're probably not going to give you more because it turns my stomach um, every time we have to talk about it. You talk about it. I don't really. Don't remind me. Anywho, um, that is all we have. We will be back with our, we got our weekly family devotionals now coming out on Sunday morning. So please come give those a listen. Uh, if you got a moment, drop a like, subscribe. If you haven't done that already, those things are helpful to us in this algorithmic world that we live in. Um, and then also I do, you know, sort of one minute sort of YouTube short devotionals every day. So um, come find those on YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, whatever. We're there probably. Um, but uh, that is all we got this week. Our recommended listening, like I said, I just encourage you guys to go listen. And I know I, you know, talk poorly about politics, but it does affect a lot of our lives. And the the distinction between Gavin Newsom and Ron DeSantis, I think, is very eye-opening. So I think if you're going to listen to something, listen to that one. And you can see the two contrasting yeah. worldviews pretty um, clearly during that debate. So that is all we got. Lord willing, we will be back next Saturday talking about who knows what. Maybe even let Nikki get the rest of this psychic channeling off her chest if it's really getting to her like that. But that is all we have. We hope you guys have a blessed week. <laughs>